At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota. Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota. And conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, it's Stephanie Hansen, and we are here with the Makers of Minnesota podcast. We are in episode number 81, and I'm here with Kevin McElvain from Riff's Smokehouse Barbecue Meats, Sauce, and Bacon Candy is the new product. Hi, Kevin. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. So I uh, was, uh, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, you should talk to so-and-so, and I was with the folks at Midwest Pantry. And uh, they were showing me around the Northeast Food Corridor, the Northeast Food District, I think is the official name of it. And we drove by your lo- your space over there and they were like, oh, there's Riffs. And I was like, oh, I've- what is Riffs? Like, I'd never heard of you. And you had a whole smokehouse back there. And apparently, like, people can come in and get sandwiches, but I just didn't know either. And then later on that night, we ended up in a tap room over by you. And... He goes, oh, let me get one of the bacon candies for you if you haven't had it. So he goes and he orders his beer and he tells me he wants a bacon candy. And sooner or later, our bartender brings over this plastic packaging that has like a meat stick in it. And I was like, oh, hmm, gross. I don't love meat sticks. Kind of grossed out by the whole meat thing. Maybe Slim Jim's, you know, scarred me for life. I don't know. But... He was like, oh, you know, try it. I'm like, no, that's okay. He's like, no, really, you got to try it. It was like a Thai chili flavor. I took a bite of that bacon candy and was like, where has this been my whole life? That product is incredible. Well, thank you very much. We worked very hard on it. Yeah. So we have like, I have all these questions about you. Okay. Okay. So how long has your Rift Smokehouse been operating right within my midst? We opened up in April of 2014. Okay, and what did you do before opening Riffs? Before Riffs, I was a um, chief operating officer for a company named Farley's and Sather's, and they're candy. the candy, absolutely, yes, yeah. So they they had, uh, of course, your trolley products and all your Brock's products. It, yep. it was a billion dollar candy company, and I was the chief operating officer for them for a number of years. And so, what made you decide to leave what I'm assuming was a fairly cushy job? Not like it wasn't hard, but cushy monetarily, let me clarify, to go off and start your own smokehouse business. And was that what you thought you would be doing when you started? So a couple things. I mean, the the first one was, you know, I'd worked in the food industry for 30 years. I had uh, been a senior director at Nestle. I'd gone on to Pillsbury. My wife was from Minnesota. And as we started having children, she wanted to be here near family. Yep. So she had us move back, and I, I joined Pillsbury, and I was a senior director for them. Uh, and then the and then General Mills uh, purchased them, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed some time with General Mills, and, and then went on from there to, to become the chief operating officer for, first of all, Just Born, 
which makes Mike and Ike and hot tamales. Yep. And then I left them and went to Farley's and say there. So a long, a long background. The the real issue was that I was traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. My my wife did not want to move, and so she put herself in Minnesota. And I was leaving on a Sunday night and coming home on a Friday night for ten years. Uh, and you're right, the the monetary compensation was was very good, but it's not worth leaving your family that long and that often. And as my kids were getting older, I was realizing I was going to miss that time. So I took the equity and the savings I had built up and thought I could build my own food company and food brand. And I started that. Um, And then the beauty thing about it, what's really been fun is the amount of time I've been able to spend with my wife and my two boys, you know, helping to build the business. And it's just amazing, you know, what positive, wonderful people they are. And I didn't know that. Oh, like, I feel like I'm going to cry right now. That is just, wow. Wow. Talk about, oh, I'm all choked up. Um, I didn't expect that you were going to choke me up. So there you go. The podcast host starts to cry talking to you. <laughs> That's fine. I uh, I am curious how you got to the product that you got to because you had been in lots of different um, product categories. What did you know about meat? Well, I knew something about meat because back in my days at uh, at Nestle, I ran the largest Stouffer's plant in the world. Sure. And so we did a lot of lasagna. We did all the meat cooking ourselves. Yeah, and I so love I had Stouffer's a, products. There you go. They're, they're great. Uh, I, it's a great company. They really taste good, too. I They really work hard on that. Yeah. I really, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the frozen meals, but if I'm going to buy one, it's going to be Stouffer's. I'm going to buy the cream spinach or I'm going to buy the lasagna. Those are my two favorites. My or guess, the macaroni and cheese. My guess is you've had product that I was part of making. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and, and I love that those companies, but so I had a background in meat, but one of the things I also, you know, I went to school at the University of Texas, you know, down in Austin. So what I really thought of as I was trying to think of what products would be good for my own company, um, I, I was looking for something that wasn't really being done mm-hmm. and barbecue isn't really being done in Minnesota and people have the same taste everywhere. So I thought good barbecue could be successful here. Um, I also was looking for something that would have a bit good uh, business case. Uh-huh. And what I see with barbecue in this case is with meat, there's a, there's a lot of regulatory pressure. And you can complain about that, but you can also look at that as a business opportunity. Not many people can do smart, start a business and become USDA certified and start a business with that kind of a small business and, and pull that off. And so I thought, that's good. I've got an entry barrier on the bottom. And having come from large companies, I know that they're very obsessed with being able to make product for places like Walmart and Sam's. And when you do that, you have to... You have to take your product quality to a certain place. Yep. Uh, it's not bad, but it's there's a. I think there's an opportunity for really high quality product, uh, and there's people who are willing to buy it. And by high quality, I mean good nutrition. In some cases, I mean powerful flavors. I mean, I mean things where you've put a little more blood, sweat, and tears into it. And and so I saw that as a as a possible niche, and that's why. That's that's where I gravitated to to start this business. Okay, so you have currently ribs. You have pulled pork that comes in like individual packets that you can heat up and put on a sandwich that comes in a more institutional size packet. 
Am I missing any of those products before I get to the delicious bacon candy? No. In fact, what we have is is we have both the pulled pork and the uh, now chicken in a four-ounce pack oh, that's you have frozen. Oh, chicken too. Okay. Right. And where that's really working at is a lot of like concession stands. Like I don't know whoever is listening to this if they've been to like Bunker Beach. Sure. But Bunker Beach uses our pulled pork and will probably start using our chicken this year. Uh, it's, it's their number one item. And so it's very easy for them to take that pouch, throw it in a microwave, for 90 seconds, serve it, and, and, and very quickly provide very good food for their clientele. So we're in a lot of convenience stores, concession stands, and things like that with this very convenient offering. Do people, can they buy your product at like Cub Foods, say, or grocery? I'm not in any large grocery stores. I'm in some smaller ones. I'm in centers here mm-hmm. in this part of town. I'm in a Lens Grocery in Stillwater. Yep. I'm in negotiations to get into some other large, larger grocery chains. But, but right now, I haven't really been large in grocery. I've been mostly big in food service. And there's a reason for that. Tell me that. It, it, it's a different kind of product. Both my bacon and these products are very different. There's nothing like them in the market. And the problem is consumers don't know it. There's been no consumer education. So a mom walks in and sees this frozen pouch of pulled pork. She very naturally goes, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I'm willing to spend $3 on that. And so she will goes and gets a pizza. Mm-hmm. I don't blame her. She doesn't know my products. And and I, being a small company, didn't have the ability or the money to spend educating the consumer. With just massive amount of marketing and sampling. Yeah, you got it. Yep. Right. That's very expensive. Uh, so what I the strategy became, let's market ourselves in the food service and let's get into the concession stands and make sure our posters there and let's get into the smaller groceries and make sure our names out there. And what we're finding is as we get known in an area, uh, then then we get more and more customers and more and more, you know, um, continuous sell. So it, it's working, but we're really going on a food service strategy in order to inform the customers of our products. Right. Um when you um, started the candy bacon, like tell me how that evolved, because that's c- kind of different than your other product in that it's a packet and you heat it up in the microwave and I've I got it in a in a pub. Yeah, so very very similar. So yeah, on barbecue circuits, and actually, if you go and and, and uh, enter in the internet, you can look on candy bacon, mm-hmm. and there's a way to make it in your oven. It's, it won't be as good as what I'm doing because I smoke mine for two hours. Yep. So there was this basic kind of candy bacon. That's basically brown sugar. You put your bacon on a, a tray that's... Um like a rack, and then put the brown sugar on it and then go. Yes, and, and you can make a pretty good product. And and so I saw that and thought, is there a way we can make that commercially, uh, which which has its challenges because we actually skewer it with a stick. and uh, but, but we came up with a way to modify our smoker and do, do a lot of changes that made it possible to make a lot of bacon at once. And and then we experimented with how to make the flavors right, and we, we found it. The biggest challenge was making it USDA because there's also, again, a lot of rules. Yep. And to be able to make a product that the USDA can support took a lot of research. Um, you got to research a lot of scientific papers, and then you got to get them to buy into it. Once we accomplished that, we, we brought the bacon out, uh, and, and at first it was just a couple flavors, which were interesting. Uh, but then I decided to experiment. And and the big experiment came 
with 56 Brewing, which is the, yep. the microbrew I think you were mentioning earlier, uh, we met with their master brewer and said, wouldn't it be interesting to do a pairing? Instead of wine and cheese like with wine, let's yep. do a beer and bacon. And we met with their master brewer. We brought all the kinds of flavors we could do, and we picked six different flavors that would match their beers perfectly. And, and we are now doing quarterly events with them uh, where you can go and you can uh, buy flights with the bacon. Uh, Cute! It, I did not know that. It's I a am lot excited. of fun, and and not just them. We we have uh, not not if I just don't plug something, but on April thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, we're doing one with Burning Brothers. Okay, and they're the gluten free yep. brewery up here, and uh, we've matched our bacon with their beer, and so we're going to have flights, and and it'll be a really exciting time to to try bacon and beer. And again, the reason for doing that is this is how I can educate the consumers about about our products. And so it, it's good for everybody. It helps give them a crowd. It helps me educate uh, about our products. But now we have a lot more flavors. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Okay, so you're going to... Tell me about these flavors, and is this like a product, again, that maybe would be at food service, like um, an event or a concession, or is there like state fair potential here? Because it's pretty good. I, I think it could be state fair. Um, so we, we have the bacon on a stick, and then more recently, so an, another issue I had with the, the bacon on the stick is people would have to buy it, and then you throw in the microwave for 15 seconds, yeah. and then you get two pieces in there, and they're wonderful. I agree. Uh, but the issue is it's still – the consumer didn't understand it, and it was a pretty expensive price point, about three three fifty to buy the yeah. two. So I came out with a new product recently, which is single serve, which looks like this. And nobody on, the, on you, of course, talking about something you can see isn't fair. But it's a single piece of bacon in a pouch. Yeah, it's like uh, the same kind of a packaging that like uh... – Slim Jim or a meat stick would be in, but it's just a piece of bacon in there, and you can see a little bit of sauce, and there's no stick like they had in the right. brewery. Um, so you have this single serve package and heated up the same way, and well, actually, this this goes to a whole different kind of place. This you can now put on the warming tables in a convenience store. Uh, you could put in a warming table at like a Target filled. And then people could just serve it right into this warm. And and what makes this better is now when you open it, since there's no stick, you can just take it and eat it right out of the package. You get no mess because you're not trying to wave a stick around. And the package, you just lay that on so the package doesn't melt or you take it out of the package? No, it's it, it, it actually warms right in the package. And it's, and it's a BPA-free plastic, cool. so there's no contaminant. So it, it's very safe. It warms right in the package. It's nice and toasty. And then you just rip it open and eat it. So I see this as something that Yum. I'm going to get. I'm going to try to get into convenience stores and concession stands all around. And it's and the lower price point makes it makes it something where people will just try it. Because it's how much is a uh, single serve? I, I think a single serve will be somewhere between a dollar fifteen and dollar seventy. Here's the market too. I think I'm a, I'm in. I have a cabin. I'm in the car a lot. Hmm. You know, for trying to eat reasonably healthy in a convenience store setting, thank gosh there's the quick trips because they've really made it a lot better, but there's just not a lot of choices. So, you know, if you're trying to eat paleo or you're trying to eat low carb, 
you know, your choices are jerky or, you know, two eggs in a plastic little clamshell, which are disgusting and stink when you open them. So there might be like a whole market there. And when you like talk to people that are doing CrossFit and all that, they're very into meat products. I think there's a huge market there for you. Oh, I, I think there is absolutely. And and when you looked at our pork sandwich, our pork sandwich, uh, which you can get in a, in a lot of concession stands, the the proteins twenty four grams, which yeah. is fifty percent of your daily protein. The calories are two fifty, and ninety of them are from fat. So I mean, so it's it's and almost this like bacon a power stick bar. Is a hundred calories, and Correct. there's how much protein? Four grams. Yeah. You know, I'd still do that for a hundred calories. A hundred. I mean, I'm. I don't buy the crappy little snack packets, but I used to, and a million people do. I love this. That's a great. I love the way that you're approaching the business too, because you seem like you know you're super knowledgeable about it. Let's talk about the financial stuff. So, did you have to like put it all on the line to get this started? And I'm completely on the line. Yeah. Yeah. I. And- I, I didn't. I did not think it would take as long as it has. Yeah. Uh, I I did not think it would cost as much as it has. Yeah. Common common perception. Yeah, and you know, and they I've always heard it takes two to three years to make money. I I think that's probably true in like a service industry, but an industry where you have to spend a lot on capital. Yep. Because uh, I've I've had to buy a lot of equipment. Um, it 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 it's. It's taken more work than I expected it to, but it's been again with my with my daughters and my daughter and my two sons and my How and my wife. How old are your kids now? Um, I have one that just graduated from St. Olaf. Okay. I have one that's a sophomore in St. Thomas, and then I have a high school senior at Hill Murray. All right. So you have kids that are in the phase of where they're able to work in the business with you. Yeah, absolutely, and they've been a tremendous help. Plus, they just. Just to have people you can come back and bounce things off of. I mean, my, my son was helping me at 6 a.m. this morning, and he's there right now, you know, at the shop. And uh, just it's just great to have them near me and, and giving me a lot of feedback. And most of it, I guess I would say very clearly that if it weren't for their support, I would have given up yeah. at some point. And I think that it's wonderful because I think it's going to be good that I didn't give up. How many employees do you have? Right now, I just have three. Okay. So that's three plus your family. Right. And are you, what's a typical day for you? What do you do? Oh, that's a good question. Well, a typical day, we, we produce nearly every day. So we, today, for instance, I, I went in and we had cooked the pork uh, starting it yesterday. So mm-hmm. today we had to take it out and hand pull it. And we have USDA there every day. So I had to speak with my USDA inspector. Yep. Um, they and- come every day. Every day we run, they have to be there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and he's a great guy. Sure. Uh, so, you know, we, we had to pull the pork because what we do is we, of course, hand pull it all. That way you get nice big chunks and you get rid of all the, all the fat, the which, gristle, is, yeah. which is why it's so healthy for you. Um, and so we had to do that and then we had to pack it all today. And, you, you know, our USDA hours are from 6 to 2.30, so we have to be done by 2.30. And then at, at 2.30 is generally when I uh, either clean up and start trying to do cells or my administrative duties. Yep. Or at 2.30 is is when I am just at the shop for the retail reasons because we stay open until 6 at night. So I, I might be at the shop, you and know, you, running it. your shop, you actually have, like, a place where people can come and buy a sandwich and chips and a Coke, Right. Right. I mean, we when we put it in the Northeast, you know, we realized that that's a very artsy area and yeah. a very crafty area. 
And we decided that it would make sense to have a retail area where people could come in and sample our products and try them. So we, we call it more like a sample room, like you yep. would at a microbrewery. So people can come in, but it's all microwavable. So they come in and they take either the pork sandwich or the yep. chicken and they put it in the microwave. We also have ribs that they can microwave there. And we, we have chips and soda. And so people can come in and eat our products and sit down. Generally, what happens is I do get a regular group that come in every day. There's probably 24 to 50 people that come in and eat lunch there every day. But then on top of that are the people who, once they, they use it, it's almost self-serve. Yep. Once they use our products and they go, well, hold on, I could buy 12 of these and keep it at work in my freezer. I could keep it at home. And so then they, they buy products and take it home because they had the opportunity to sample it. So yep. it's, again, it's about consumer education. I think that's so cute. Like just that you're running this little commissary too out of your factory. I think that's just a really interesting way to get close to the people that are eating it. Almost like, you know, we, a lot of people that sit in your chair, like they're doing farmer's markets and that sort of thing to almost product sample and get some feedback. I think it's interesting that you're doing it right at your own location. Um, How about sales? Like, is that you? Like, are you cold calling these fairs and festivals and uh, concession people and saying, hey, have you tried our product? I I would say that when we first started, I, I tried to do sales, but I wasn't very good at it at first. And the business was struggling. And my wife you know, jumped in yep. and she started going to, we were a big hockey family. So yep. she started going to all the hockey rings and saying, Hey, you should carry this. And, and after she got it into quite a few hockey rings, then we had some smaller distributors because they'll take more of a risk, yep. come and, and say that they would like to carry our product. And then after you get two or three smaller distributors, a bigger distributor comes and knocks on your door. So I, I would say the genesis of our sales all really start with my wife, Susan, um, I, I, hi, Susan. I, I couldn't credit her enough. She's apparently a big Weekly Dish listener, so I feel like I have to say hi to her. Yeah, she is. When I said I was meeting you, and and, and it's sad to say I didn't really know who you were. It's okay. She, she uh, Why gave, would you? gave me a long, well, with the hours I working in, as I said, I was always out of town. Um, yeah, she was, she was like, that's, you got, oh, and she just was freaking <laughs> out. So, you know, I feel so, so bad if I, if I had known earlier and told her that no. maybe she'd be here instead of me, which would be, would be good because she's a great advocate for the business. Well, and I, I appreciate that she got the sales off the ground. So you have spoken really, you know, generously about your family, but I got to get to the nitty gritty here. So you quit your job. You're going to start this company. You know, you're putting the the nest egg on the line, as it were. Have there ever been, like, tough times where, you know, you were like, I don't know if I can keep doing this? When do the tough times stop? That's uh, a good question. It's, it's it, the, the thing is, I don't know if you saw, like, the movie Joy, but I, I really identify with that movie because every time you start doing better, then there's another opportunity. And, and unfortunately, in my business, that opportunity usually means a big investment up front, whether it be packing materials or marketing uh, or equipment. So then you make that big investment and then you get the business to try to pay that off. But then yep. the next opportunity comes. So it's always reinvesting. And Joy is the movie with Jennifer Lawrence where Correct. the woman, I think she had a vacuum, right? or A, a mop, I believe. Yeah. And she had, she had to keep investing and it just kept... You know, getting ahead of her, um, and and it's like that. I I believe I believe the opportunities are in front of us. I still am as much a believer, probably more a believer in the business than I was in the beginning. And I see some huge opportunities, and and part of it is is who comes on board. So right now we've gotten a uh, a food broker who is taking on my products, and he's the one who's really out there selling it. Yeah. So he's the one that's taking this bacon on the go. 
and really trying to promote it. And if this goes, then then it could be really great. Yeah, it's a really great product. Tell me about the flavors that you have for bacon on the go. Sweet okay, I might and have spicy. to look at a piece of paper That's just okay. to make sure. So on the bacon the go, we have a sweet, a sweet and spicy, and the Thai curry. Those are our three main flavors. That's the one I had, the Thai one. Which are actually, those are all available on Amazon. Another okay. plug. I guess I should do that. Yes, you should. And then what we've added to that is a raspberry chipotle. A habanero heat, which is very, very hot, and then actually a uh, a hot coffee. Cool. Is it good? It's really good. Well, the hot <laughs> coffee is basically the sweet and spicy, which has a little heat to it. Yeah. And then we ground, we took ground up Brazilian coffee beans and we put them on top of it as well. And when you eat it, is it the, like breakfast? Yeah, it can be breakfast. <laughs> These are all day kind of items, but it's it's really, really good. And I mean, just to give you an example, I know like Black Waffle Coffee Bar yeah. has added my bacon to their to their store. So people are now having my bacon for I breakfast there. Yeah. Um, when you think about marketing your product, like do you have a big social media presence or are you just kind of grassroots still? I think we're more grassroots. My my son Mason uh, and my other son, Ethan, have have tried to educate me about social media. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's not a strength of mine. So they've been working on the Facebook and the, and the Twitter. And then one of my employees, uh, David um, Shelton, uh, has done a really nice job doing little tweet stories, I guess, or little Snapchat yeah. stories as we do things like the events at 56. I still don't really understand all of yeah. it, I'd be honest, but... Uh, but I'm letting these these younger people, these millennials, sort of do their thing. But it's certainly not, you, you know, a professionally paid for, for effort. It's it's the people who love the business, who are involved in the business, you know, having fun with it and doing what they can out there on the social media. Well, I really wish you tons of success. Like I said, I'm I'm crazy about this product. Um, I was just sort of shocked that there you were over in Northeast, and I didn't know anything about you. Um, the pulled pork I have not had yet, but I know I will. Well, and, I brought some, so you can, oh, I'll leave it with you. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck with the meat product, the meat candy, because I just think this baking candy has real legs to it, and it's super tasty. Oh, thanks. And it's not gross or weird, and I say that as someone who doesn't love packaged meat. Right. Um, I thought it was just really delicious, and it's fun that you're right over there in Northeast, and now maybe people will come over and say they heard about you and try it out because, honestly, it's just really delicious. You guys should go. What's your address? Uh, it's 3134 California Street Northeast, uh, number 106B. It's a little hard to find, but if you know the Big Teal Tower, which is actually a buster seed tower, we're right on the north side of that. So and if they're you kind find- of in the back. Yeah, so but if you find that tower and go to the north side of it, that's where we are, and you'll see a sign on the side of the the wall that says Riff. So we'd love to have you. We we really appreciate all the customers that come in because it's their input that really gives me the power when I go out and sell to uh, to grocery stores or anybody I'm trying to sell to. And it's a six dollar pork sandwich with chips and a drink, so you can't go wrong with that. That's true. All right, thanks for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for your time. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. 
I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. An F-16 pilot having hydraulic problems with his aircraft managed to parachute to safety as the plane smashed into a warehouse east of Los Angeles. Fire Captain Fernando Herrera. That pilot landed in the uh, March Air Force Base area. In the base itself. Amazingly, there were no serious injuries after the plane hit the building. Alabama executed a man last night for his role in killing four people after an argument over a pickup truck. Tennessee executed a man who killed his wife. Reporters couldn't see the execution, but AP correspondent Travis Lawler says... We could hear sounds, uh, including a singing that uh, uh, Mr. Johnson's attorney says was him singing a hymn. Answering a reporter's question, President Trump said he hopes the U.S. is not on a path to war with Iran. Mr. Trump has dismissed suggestions that any of his advisors are trying to push him into a conflict. I'm Rita Foley.